It is so good to be with you today, to be here in the Lord's house. I've got one thing that I need to say. Woo, boy! Now, those of you that know my background and know my history, y'all know that I'm from Grant County, so y'all know where that come from, okay? All right! I am Roger Taylor, the Generations Pastor, recently come to be on staff here, Holland's Chapel, and it is so good to be with you. Uh, I just thank you for all of the uh, encouragement that I have received and the support that I've received, and I'm just glad to have this opportunity to be the speaker today. Pastor Kyle asked me a few weeks ago if I would, was ready to speak, if I'd, I'd about got uh, a little rest and uh, rejuvenation. And so I told him, yeah, I think I, maybe I am. And so the last few weeks been in prayer asking the Lord to direct me, to lead me, to guide me in what he would have me to speak and to present uh, to you from God's word during this series of sermons. And so uh, the Lord impressed on my mind, uh, on my heart, something that uh, I think that you will understand and relate, uh, me being from Grant County, being kind of a simple guy. All right, y'all missed it. That was your first opportunity to say amen. Those of you that knew me, that you just missed that shot, okay? But anyway, the Lord put it on my mind to speak about simple things. Simple things that He gives us in the Scriptures that are the foundation and the basis for how we are to relate to Him, come to Him, to know Him, and to follow Him in our lives. So my series that I'm going to preach this week, next week, will be on simple things. But this morning I want to talk to you about what the Scriptures present to us about having a very simple focus about who we are and about what we are. And sometimes when we talk about simplicity, we think that, well, you know, simple things are not that big of a deal. They're not that important. But one of the main things I want us to grasp and hold on to this morning is the importance of simplicity. How vitally important simplicity is. A variety of different ways in our life. And so I've chosen a couple of illustrations. I'm going to throw these out there for uh, you to respond to and see if you will agree with me on these things. But for instance, those of you who are cooks, those of you that like to spend time in the kitchen, that I mean that is your thing. You've got the library of cookbooks and you've got the old family recipes and you know, they're made up of elaborate dishes and special dishes. And, you know, in our family, we kind of had some special dishes. And it's kind of been hard for anybody to ever figure out Grandma's secret recipe. You know, it's a, I know when my wife was trying to help with some of Granny Valentine's recipes. And, Granny, how do you make this? What do you put in it? Well, Granny told her. And, of course, you all know how that went. My wife tried to make Granny's whatever it was. And it didn't turn out like Granny's did. So... She figured out, I got to go to Granny's house and I got to sit here and I got to watch Granny as she makes it. And of course, she's putting her stuff in. Everything that's on paper, she puts it in there. And then she reaches up in the cabinet and she gets something and she puts a little of that in there. And she tastes it and reaches and gets something else. My wife said, Granny, what was that? 
Granny, how much of that did you put in there? Oh, just a pinch, just a smidgen. Just all, it, it's nothing, it was just this. You know, you, we've got these elaborate recipes and you've got to have every little ingredient so that it'll be just right. And all of that is important. But when it comes down to the simplicity of the recipe, the simplicity of preparing the food, what is it that even though it is simple, it is so absolutely, vitally important. It's temperature control. Y'all know when you went from a gas stove to an electric stove and then microwaves came in and all of that kind of stuff and you've got all of these different variations and you had to learn, figure out how to get the temperature just right. you got to have it hot to start, but then you got to turn it down. Temperature is so simple, but it's so important. You know, it's not like me, you know, just pour some grease in the pan, turn the fire up high, throw something in there. When it turns brown, take it out. You know, that's, that's my cooking. Temperature control, vitally important. So whether you're frying an egg or whether it's grandma's secret recipe, the simplicity of the right temperature. Now I know a lot of you guys out there are probably not that much into cooking except you want the end results of it, right? When it's finished, put it on the table. That's my part of the cooking thing. But you relate more, and not just men, but women as well, relating to sports, an illustration concerning the ball sports that we play. What is the fundamental simple thing that you've got to always remember and do, and we teach this to every kid in their sport, you've got to keep your eye on the ball. Now you're going to realize really how important that is if you get a chance to go play golf with me. Because I am going to need you to keep your eye on my golf ball. Because we've got to go look for that rascal. And it'll save us a lot of time. And it'll save me a lot of money if you can find my golf ball so I can keep playing with it instead of having to you know, go back to the bag and get another one. In the ball sports, we, we emphasize that as our youngsters begin to play. And we tell them as they go to the plate to bat, say, keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. We tell them, and how many times have we seen on television, you know, in the Super Bowl or one of the other football games, there was that receiver that was wide open and this was the big play. And he took his eye off the ball too soon and missed the catch. The importance of a very simple thing. Keep your eye on the ball. Here's something of a little bit more serious nature, perhaps in the field, in the area of mathematics. If you can allow your mind just to kind of go out there and think and consider of what kind of mathematic calculations and formulas and exercises in math, all of the different fields of math that it must take to accomplish something like putting the space shuttle into space and bringing it home or 
putting the space station up there in space and all of the mathematical calculations that are involved in all of those different elements of that. And we might think, now man, that really, that really says it about math. That's really where uh, you know, the importance or the emphasis of math is. But I would, I'd challenge that thinking this morning with some simplicity. Because, you know, that's not really where. That's not really where the core and the focus of math is. The core, the focus of math is in the simplicity of math because one plus one equals two. And anything in all of the world of math that does not agree with that very simple equation is in error. And so the simplicity of that is the focus that I would have you to, to take note of. And, you know, simplicity not only applies in these areas of of our recreational lives or our home lives or our education uh, in, in regards to uh, the, I'm going to call them the school things. But when it comes to our faith, our religion, our beliefs, the discussion of religious acceptance, how do we, how do we come into a place of fellowship with God? How do we uh, come into that position that uh, we are accepted by the Lord. When we get into that arena, when we step into that discussion, how are we going to view? How are we going to focus? What are we going to identify as being critical? What is it that is important that we would recognize you see, in the religious world today, there's a diverse debate about what religion is supposed to be and what it's supposed to look like. If it's supposed to be denominational or liberal or legalistic or social or reclusive, you know, all of that is out there in the world and in the religious community. And there's so much discussion and question and debate. And we would say, well, where is it genuinely at? What, what is the core? What is the heart? What should the focus of things be? What should it look like to us? We even see in our culture today from a historical perspective you know the Ivy League schools, colleges they formed out of this debate. They began with things that were fundamentally very simple and yet we see in our world today that they have gone to a place that is unrecognizable because from, from those places today comes things that are so far from God, so disagreeable with God's Word. And so we understand and see in our culture today these things. And, you know, this is not new. We might think, well, you know, our world is more complicated, it's more difficult, there's things happening today that no one else had to deal with, but 
the question that we would address and what we would look at this morning in regards to a relationship with God. And this question, is there a simple answer? Is there a simple answer? Paul addressed that during his ministry. As he wrote to the Corinthian church, we'll be looking in the first Corinthian letter, the second chapter in just a moment, but seeking an answer to that question is not a new thing because during Paul's day, men were asking the question and man were look, men were looking for what would bring them into a relationship and a place of peace with God. In 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, verse 1, the scripture says, And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and in much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. You see, when Paul went to the city of Corinth, and whenever he began to preach, he experienced and saw in Corinth the very same things that you and I look around and see in our world today. The very things that would challenge us, the things that would cause us to ask the question, what does it take to please God? What does it take to come into a, a proper relationship and walk with God? And is there a simple answer? Well, Paul presented to the Corinthians that, yes, there's a simple answer, even in a world that seems so complicated, because you see, the Corinthian world was complicated as well. The city of Corinth engulfed with the influence of the Roman Empire overshadowed and under the thumb of Roman political authority and Roman military strength. And so there would be some that would say, you know, that's what it's all about. It's about the authority. It's about the power. It's, a, it's about having strength and control of things. But there in Corinth, they also were under the influence of the Greek culture and the philosophies of Greek, the intellectualism of the Greeks. And those that would argue a Greek perspective to what is important, what is vital, what you need to focus on and what you need to give your attention to. And just like our world today, Corinth was saturated with religion. I think I referred to it as earlier as being like the buffet line, whether it's at our, our recently deceased Western Sizzling or whether it is at Shoney's Breakfast Buffet. It's, boy, just go in there and there it is. Whatever you desire. Well, isn't that kind of the way religion and religious thought and ideology is in the world today? You know, the world just offers all of the stuff out here. Just find what you like. Find what suits you. Find what you can pick out for yourself. And that can be 
your way to God. Well, is that really what the Scripture says? Is that really what God says? In simplicity, is that really the answer? Paul presented to the Corinthians this message about Jesus Christ. So you, you can take note of that in, in, in the notes on the program today that what did Paul say was worthy to talk about? What is there that is important enough to talk about and to remember in the conversation of life? Paul said, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because you see, Paul, highly educated, very capable. He could have used logic. He could have used his superior wisdom and intellect. He could have took a historical perspective of, of, of the history of the human race and what had occurred through the ages. But he said in simplicity he came to them. And I did not know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The simple answer. We look in our world today and sometimes today we think that we're so different but yet the Bible presents to us that in the complexity of our world as we see it God has provided a simple solution and a simple answer and so Paul's message to them was not one of eloquence it was not one of superior wisdom he said, let me tell you about God and let me tell you about God in a very simple way. And what will be the focus if you want to be in a relationship and if you want to be in fellowship with God. And he defined that as Jesus Christ. Paul said that he, even in his own physical abilities, came to them in a form of weakness. He didn't accentuate himself. He accentuated Jesus Christ. You know that's what the Lord calls us to do. That's what the Lord asks us to do. That's what my responsibility is here this morning. My responsibility here this morning is to accentuate to you Jesus Christ. His importance. How vitally important He is to what we need in our life. And so we see this throughout the scripture as the scripture gives us many other illustrations. The Bible gives us examples. Jesus himself speaking during his time of ministry here on this earth. He used an illustration in regards to the building of a building or a construction when he talked about the importance of a foundation. On one occasion he spoke concerning the foundation of a building. He said there would be an individual that would go out to build and he would dig deep into the ground and he would find the rock, the solid rock, and he would build on the rock. The rock would be his foundation. And the house or the structure that he would build, that it would stand the storms of life, that it would stand the winds, it would stand the rains, it would stand the floods. For us, in recent history in Arkansas, this should be a significant illustration that we would understand and realize. That the Lord said, this will stand up to whatever the Arkansas weather throws at you. A solid foundation. He said there would be another builder that would just build on the sand without the solid foundation. 
And when the weather, the storms came, that house would fall. The one would stand because it was on a good foundation. The other would fall because it had no foundation. Jesus said that these two houses are representative of how people respond to the Word of God. People that hear what God says and they obey what God said. That is the person who has built the house on a firm foundation. And the person that hears what God says but does not respond and obey or follow what God has said, that is the individual who built a house on the sand. And when the storms come, the house collapses and falls. And it's a terrible, it's a terrible fall. Isn't it interesting how Jesus spoke of those illustrations? And then we see in the scripture, as Jesus is identified as the foundation. No other foundation can anyone lay than that which has already been laid, Jesus Christ. We see the illustration also in the scripture. Jesus on an occasion during his ministry as he was teaching, you know, important teaching. Jesus was saying, Jesus is speaking, don't anybody interrupt. Jesus is here, don't anybody cause a distraction. Here come the children. <laughs> and the children come to Jesus and immediately... They begin to say, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. We got something important going on here. Don't let the children bother Jesus. And Jesus said, back off. <laughs> let the children come to me. Let the children come to me. Suffer them, allow them, permit them to come to me. Because of such are the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus spoke. One of the other gospel writers said it like this. He said, if we would come to Jesus, that we would have to come as a child. As a child has a simple faith, a trust. He uses that as an illustration. And Jesus spoke of it as the illustration of children being an example of our opportunity and our ability to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then yet you understand from the scripture that you and I become the children of God by the actions and the work of Jesus Christ and our faith in Him. It is through Jesus that you and I have been adopted to become the children of God. And in everything we see and everywhere we look in the scripture, we see over and over and over again that the text of the verse, the illustration, the picture, it keeps going back to Jesus. Jesus is God's provision. And for a simple focus, for us to simply recognize and realize that God has provided something that we desperately need and are incapable of doing ourselves, we understand that He is our foundation. He is our access to the kingdom. He is our way to be a part of the kingdom of God and to come into fellowship and relationship with God. And so Paul emphasizes this to the Corinthians. Listen, above everything that the culture throws at you, 
Corinthians, understand this. I came and I preached to you Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He's what you need to focus on. He's what you need to give your attention on. We live in a world and a culture today where we are confronted the same way, I believe, as the Corinthians were. And so the message really today is no different than this message. And that's why I felt that today as the Lord directed and led me that this message of the simplicity of Jesus Christ is where we need to focus. Because in our culture and in our world and in our church, everything is about asking a question, what is the answer? What do we need to do? What do we need to look? What do we need to focus on? Jesus is the center of it. And let me tell you, folks, if it doesn't touch Jesus, then we need to redirect. If ultimately it's not going to Jesus, if it's not pointing to Jesus, if it's not connected to Jesus, if it is not making our attention go to Jesus, then we need, we need to back off and do some evaluation about what our motivation is and what we're doing or what we're saying or how we're doing it or whatever. Because it's all about Jesus. Someone might say, well, boy, that's a real simple message. Well, you know, here you go. I told you I was from Grant County. Paul was from Tarsus. He preached to the Corinthians. He said, it's all about Jesus. He said, I came to you and I preached Jesus. You see, we're aware, and the Scriptures tell us, Paul presented this in the earlier part of the, the letter, in the, the first chapter. Uh, Paul wrote these words to them. He said, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligent of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand a miraculous sign. The Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Isn't it amazing and wonderful that God in His simplicity is smarter than all that we have ever done or will do? Isn't it amazing that God in His weakness is stronger than any and everything that the human race can ever muster together? God in simplicity, God in wisdom, God in His power has chosen to forgive our sins by providing a sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ, that you and I could accept and trust in and come into relationship with our Creator to become a child of God, 
to become heirs in the kingdom of God. To have a solid foundation in this walk of life upon which we can stand until that time when the Lord says, you don't need that house anymore, I got a better one for you. Come on and leave that one behind. Oh, how wonderful the simplicity of the message of God in His Son, Jesus Christ. So what is the answer? What is the answer to the simple question? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Our Savior, our Deliverer, our Redeemer, our Provider. It's all about Jesus. So whatever position or whatever stage we might be in our walk of life here. This morning, you may not have come to the place that that you have answered that question concerning your sin. You may not yet have come to a conclusion as far as what you need to do to be made right with God. The answer today is Jesus. Jesus came. He went to Calvary. He prayed, he paid the price of sin on Calvary. He was put in the grave and he was resurrected. He rose from the dead victorious over death, hell, and the grave. After having paid the price of your sin and my sin on the cross, he conquered our sin in the resurrection. The simple answer today for you, if you're looking for something to trust and believe in that can bring you into fellowship with God, it's to just confess to God that you are the sinner that you are. Ask His forgiveness and put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and who He is, what He has done. You see, that's the answer. If you're already a believer, you're already uh, uh, have a testimony of faith in Jesus Christ, you may be at that point where you're trying to figure out, okay, which way do I go from here? Because, you know, I've got career and I've got family and I've got this and I've got that and I'm at this stage in my life. And so what, what do I do? Pastor Roger, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He's the example. He's the pattern for us. He's the author and finisher of our faith. <laughs> He's the one who God has put before us for us to look for. And if you've been a Christian for some time, consider yourself to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You might ask that question about, okay, well, what's, what's the next step in my life? You just do whatever it is that Jesus is wanting you to do and leading you to do. You know, it's wonderful. I, I, I appreciate so much when people come to me as a pastor and say, Pastor Roger, would you speak with me, pray with me, talk with me about uh, what, what I need to do, what decision I need to make, what direction or commitments I need to make. I appreciate that so much and encourage you because it thrills my heart to hear that people are seeking the Lord, that they're seeking the Lord's will for their life. But let me tell you, However we address that question or those questions, what we're going to be talking about is what does Jesus want for you? 
What has Jesus died for in order to enable you to be able to serve him and to work in the kingdom? How has the Lord enabled you and blessed you? What is the answer today? The answer is always Jesus. And so when God, when the Holy Spirit touches our hearts, when the Holy Spirit touches us, causes us in our mind and our understanding to realize that the Lord wants us to address some issues. The Lord wants us to answer some of our own personal questions. Or we realize that the Lord is stirring within our heart. And we know that what we're experiencing is not that physical thing from having eaten something. Or uh, what's in our mind is not that intellectual thing of just what kind of a book we've been reading. But when we understand and realize that through God's Word... Through what God has to say, the Holy Spirit is touching and moving. God is calling us today. How do we answer? What do we focus on? What do we turn to? And I tell you today, very simply, there's only one answer. And that is Jesus.